And now, from our studios in Kansas City, Sci-Fi For Me Radio is live from the bunker. Little disco for the end of the week. Maybe, I don't know. Welcome everyone, we are live from the bunker. My name is Jason Hunt, I'm the editor-in-chief here at SciFiForMe.com. Media aficionado, 33 years in this crazy business. I don't know how much longer I'm going to last, I tell you. It's, uh, it is one of those things. All right, we are broadcasting live to Facebook, Odyssey, YouTube, and this show is also available on various podcast platforms. want to say hi to everybody who's been listening. We've got people in Canada, Russia, Poland, the United Kingdom, Nigeria, Germany. Good to have all of you with us. If you are with us live... Uh, you can jump in the chat. Uh, if you are not with us live, of course, you can always leave a comment. You can send us an email, live from the bunker at sci fi for mecom We do enjoy hearing from everyone. I read all the comments, even the spam ones that I have to report and block. But I know none of you are doing any of that. So, uh, all right, so let's let's get into this because today we've got a guest. He is uh, he's returning. Uh, to the show. Uh, he's been here before. Declan Finn joins us to talk about his new, uh, the new entries in the St. Tommy NYPD books, I think. Welcome, sir. Welcome back. Thank you for having me. So we've got, uh, let me see here, we've got the new one, which I think is just out, if I remember, you tell me, Lightbringer, which is the the brand new one. I think this just came out this week, yes? Yep, came out Tuesday. And you have another one on the way, but we'll get into that in a minute here. What is what is Lightbringer about? How where are we in the Saint Tommy saga at this point? Well, uh, Saint Tommy has survived a trip to Italy in Book Nine, and he's been recruited into what they refer to as a joint supernatural task force. Uh, which officially that means he's working with you know. The FBI, the CIA, as well as the NYPD, uh, he's still waiting for the FBI to show up. And, um, you know, you know, they, they send him FBI agents. They hang out a week. They discover what he does with supernatural murder mysteries, and they run fleeing for the hills because, well, they, are, they have some semblance of sense. But uh, Lightbringer opens with... You know, he'd been in the job for a few years now as head of the Supernatural Task Force. And um, a Hollywood director has a daughter overdose, which, okay, fine, it happens uh, with with Hollywood types. Um, <laughs> then the body that overdosed came back as a zombie and tried to attack the uh, officer who was guarding the crime scene, at which point, congratulations, it's now his job, Tommy's <laughs> job, to uh, figure out exactly what the heck goes on here. That that and, uh, that seems yeah. like one of those um, situations where... Of, 
I, I don't think that that particular thing, because your, your series of books, is, as we've discussed before, turn out to be a little predictive. Um, I hope you're not setting us up for something. Thank God, <laughs> no. I, I, I actually decided, made a conscious decision to do rip-from-the-headline uh, variations. Right. Uh, granted, there's not a lot of rip-from-the-headline variations when, you know... You're, you're dealing with demons, but uh, a lot of it has to do with a lot of the crap we've seen out of Hollywood lately. Right. Uh, <laughs> and so I figured if I rip stuff from the headlines, I can't be predictive because it already happened. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll... After the first five or six books that did that, it's like, maybe I should go backwards <laughs> well and given given how some people have uh have made the point that some of this some of this behavior coming out of hollywood or or washington even can be characterized as demonic i'm not sure that you can sit there and say that demons aren't involved in in some of this stuff declan it's uh it's certainly it's certainly caught yeah. cause to to give people a little bit of a of a moment to kind of say hang on <laughs> I don't know. It's, yeah, no, it's no crazy kidding. Um, about a year and a half ago, uh, I think it was a year and a half ago. It might have been longer. I looked up. Uh, I looked up this thing called QAnon. I, I had never. I kept hearing the name bandied about for a few years. <laughs> I had no idea what it was. Like it's Q. It's Q. It's like, what is Q? Are we on Sesame Street now? <laughs> Today has been brought to you by the letter Q. But um, so I looked it up and it's like, yes, we, we've got an entire conspiracy of uh, demonic pedophiles. And it's like, oh, come on. I wrote this book. <laughs> Somebody's going to think I stole this. <laughs> well, and, and I don't know. I don't know if you were aware, uh, but um, apparently, I guess the last couple of years, Q has been dark. And not active. And then a few, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I guess it was, maybe the end of June, uh, suddenly Q started posting again. So uh, whoever whoever's running it, and I don't know, you know, some people seem to think that it might be somebody new, somebody maybe pretending to be Q. But QAnon is back for a sequel, I guess. So we'll see. Going, uh, into, the, going into the November midterms, we'll see if things get Spicy, lively, active, scary. I mean, okay. <laughs> uh, as long as they're not taking, as long as they're not taking more cliff notes from my books, I'll be happy. <laughs> well, what do you call a conspiracy theory if it turns out to be true? I mean, it, 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 some current events. Current, <laughs> current events. You know, come on. Uh, how many? Oh, look, uh, QAnon, demonic pedophiles, and then you get Jeffrey Epstein. Yeah. And Harvey Weinstein, come to think of it. So it's like, are they conspiracy? Are they conspiracy theories, or are they just slightly inaccurate? Yeah. <laughs> so is uh, let's see her here. There's uh, there is a comment in the chat here. Let me uh, activate that and pull up this. Let me see where to go. Um, I got to turn things on here. Um, that one. That one, there we go. Morgan Fox in the chat saying, A disturbing thing, sir. How much of the fiction you're involved with writing that shows up in the real world? 
Oh, sci-fi all, right, says I, all of it. it well and we talked about this yeah. the last time you were on the the fact that there was uh that there has been a, a number of parallels between the stuff that you write and the stuff that's going on in in the world at, at large and you've you've put out disclaimers uh, saying i'm not responsible this is not my fault god i hope it's not it's if, if all these people are taking notes from my books, then I I want royalty checks from them stealing my ideas. Um, problem is, the ideas they're stealing are from the demonic villains. Mm. Um, I had a book... All right. Uh, no, no spoilers for Hellspawn, because that became legislation in New York about three months after it... Uh, after the book got published. Um, however, uh, for example... Um, these books wind up coming in trilogies for whatever reason. Uh, I'm not even doing it on purpose. Uh, they just happen. Uh, let me readjust the camera because I hit the desk too hard. <laughs> um, okay. The villain for the first three books wanted to unleash all of the prisoners on Rikers Island onto the population of New York City. Uh, so the population would become more reliant on government and the mayor could act like a tyrant. Then we got, uh, <laughs> then we wound up with the joys of uh, bail reform, which basically ended up doing the exact same thing anyway. It's like, <laughs> come on, people, can, can, can we not do this? <laughs> uh, hell, um, wound up doing, what was it, book five, Crusader. Crusader, yeah, Crusader. Um, I had a section where I wanted the villain du jour to have minions. So what I did was I used the little known uh, thing in Europe. And uh, the editor said, okay, I have a question. What is Antifa? Wow. And it's like, and I'm writing this in February of 2020. And it's like, okay, Antifa. Um, sure. Fine, I'll explain. I did an entire page on Antifa and its history, and then, you know, they were partially involved in burning down cities that year. It's like, damn it, can I not do this again, please? <laughs> did, now, now, we we talk about it here, and, and you make jokes about it, about, you know, being predictive and whatnot. Sci-Fi Snob makes a good point. You know, the reason Sci-Fi offers... You know, I mean, we do have a tendency in science fiction to talk about things that are going on in the future, but usually yeah. it's about, you know, advancements in technology and space exploration and, and medicine and those kind of things. In your circle of friends, absent the science fiction writers that you associate with, just your regular normal friends and family and whatnot, has this ever come up? Hey, this thing over here feels a whole lot like what you wrote in this book. Does or is it more esoteric and it's you know the in crowd the people in the know that can make those connections? No, no. Uh, I've got I've had friends send me headline. Sorry, fan. Yes, fans. Okay, I didn't say friends. I've had fans send me headlines of Hi, doesn't this look an awful lot like X book? It's like <laughs> yes, yes, it does. Thank you. I I, I needed that. <laughs> so. So you know it's what you need to do. You know what you need to do. You need to write a a fantasy 
a storybook fantasy type of thing, a Cinderella type of story, because that that minimizes your risk, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't think I don't think a dragon would show up anywhere around New York. Maybe yet. <laughs> right. Oh wait, they're now using genetic modification. Oh, good boy. Did, yeah. Have you seen the news articles? This was a few years ago after Jurassic World Two came out, where somebody had an article on, "Hey, we can now start resurrecting dinosaurs." Right, like, right, right. Uh, I well, I'm sorry, but there no. are five movies that explain why this is a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think the other thing too. I mean, with with science fiction. I mean, all jokes aside, there is there is something to the fact that that authors in the in the science fiction genre, especially if they're doing hard science fiction, uh, you're extrapolating. You're saying, okay, well, here's where we were, here's where we are now. Where are we going to be fifty years, hundred years, two hundred years? You're drawing a you're drawing a line of progression in whatever it is that you're looking at. Fantasy is a little bit different. You can do a little bit different, you know, you can be a little bit more creative, a little bit more loosey-goosey because you're dealing with supernatural elements and that's just, you know, that's hand wavium for the most part. Um, but, you know, in, in some of this stuff where you've got vampires and you've got zombies, I mean, there's there's lore, there's, there's stuff that you can research with. Well, here's what other authors have done. Here's what the science behind certain pieces because you know people you know sensitivity to light and a craving for blood and you know some of those things there's actual some science behind some of it oh yeah but i um, guess i guess you get to you got to, you get to kind of skate the line a little bit well um basically what i wound up doing is i've got a degree in history i've got a degree in philosophy and what i do is i take both of them and go straight to where is the dark path that any one thing can go? And I have made the mistake of thinking, nobody's going to do X. This is too ludicrous. It's too insane. It's too obviously evil. <laughs> no, no. I, I cannot come up with something that uh, does not seem like it. You know, I cannot come up with something so evil. Some politician somewhere doesn't think it's a good idea. Well, you know, let uh, me let me let me spin out a question here from what Morgan is saying in the in the chat. Absolutely, a line of progression, but it would be nice not to be so accurate with the negative stuff. So, what if what if you did this, amen. Declan? What if you what if you took your your predictive manifestation powers and predicted something really cool and helpful and happy, and see what happens there? I mean. I've actually gone out of my way to do that because I've had a few people, I've had some <laughs> friends say, why can't you write in a book that I win the lottery? It's like, okay, fine. <laughs> so, of course, I, I did that. I wrote the book and 2020 happened and books got delayed. My my publisher fell apart and I had to find a new one. So, you know, things like that happen. <laughs> God's trying to tell you something, Declan. I yes, don't. I'm I don't know what, what, but yeah, <laughs> right. So, uh, Lightbringers out. Uh, I'm imagining you've probably got some early reviews, some early response. Of course, you've got your beta readers and you people that, that take a look at it before it gets published. What has the response been for this one? Because that that's um, number. What is that? Number nine. 
number 10. Okay. Yeah. For some reason, I wanted oh. to say 19. I knew that wasn't right. I was like, well, he hasn't done that many yet. All right. Yeah. Well, the reviews, I, I, I've gotten more direct correspondence than reviews. Um, and since Amazon is so unhelpful as far as reporting reviews, oh, I've got three ratings already, and they're all five-star reviews. That's one problem I've got with Amazon lately, where it's, yeah. yes, you can leave ratings, five-star ratings. No reviews. Thanks. Like, I'll take the five stars, but I'd like you to at least leave a comment. Sure. Uh, if you don't mind. But um, so those have been positive. People have told me they've liked little touches, including one or two people. I Basically, there were some minions for our villain that were literally dragged out of hell. And they, my readers have told me they enjoyed having my characters send them straight back. <laughs> <laughs> now, do you uh, do you practice Tuckerization? Not often. Okay. I have I have taken requests. Um, and there are some people who have the unfortunate uh, the unfortunate luck of being online at the time I'm writing a book where it's like, okay, who's on Facebook Messenger right now? I'm going to take <laughs> that person's first name. I'm going to take that person's last name. And if they die, they die. <laughs> For those of you who are not familiar with the process, Tuckerization is when an author takes an actual real person and makes them a character in the book. That's the mm -hmm. that's the Reader's Digest version. There's a whole history of this, and there are a number of authors who are notorious for Tuckerizing people and making them metaphorically red shirts uh, in their stories. Oh, yeah. So it's like, yeah, please kill me in your next book. Please kill me in your next book. So it's become yeah. a thing, but it's it, there's a long tradition there, uh, and and some authors do it, some authors don't. Uh, we we've we've talked to a few who you know are on various different points in that spectrum. So it's kind of fun, I, but yeah, I don't know if you had Larry Correa on this show, but he is yet. actually oh okay. Well, he's I really had, want to though. I'll. Bring it up next time in one of his groups. But uh, no, he's actually mentioned that he's had auctions for people to be redshirted within his novels. Yep. And uh, there is apparently one, there's apparently a lot of mics in his reader, uh, <laughs> in his reader readers. And it's like, damn, I've got so many mics. I'm just going to have one, I'm going to just have one entire squad called the Mike Squad and blow them up in a truck or something. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and and we were uh, we were working on a thing. Um, um, I was I was working on a crowdfunder. Uh, we were going to do some. We were going to do a, a crowdfunding model for uh, redoing our website at one point. And one of the one of the perks that we had was uh, to get tuckerization. So we had a whole list of authors who say, "Yeah, I'll I'll tuckerize somebody to, who puts money into your campaign." Of course, the campaign didn't make. We didn't do any of it. But it's interesting to see which authors will do it and which ones won't, uh, because that's a that's an interesting list. Because there's people who's like, uh, "No, I if I do that once, then I'll have I'll, you know everybody will want me to do it, and it just gets." Because then, if you don't tuckerize somebody who's asked for it, then do they do they get insulted? Do they feel slighted? What's I'm not good enough to kill off in your book or what? I mean, I can understand some people not wanting to do it, but uh, yeah, I, I can understand that. But 
it's I've got so many characters kicking around. I need names. Yeah, yeah. So uh, when when you're when you're planning this, you know, you're at book ten. You've got book eleven coming out here in a, in a little bit. Dark Dark Web is the next one, mm-hmm. which is coming out when. Uh, that one's coming out at the end of August, um, uh, August 30th, I believe. I remember it mostly because it's like, okay, it's coming out before uh, Dragon Con. So, so when you're planning, when you're planning these, do you have a specific target as far as how long you want to take to put these to put one out? Because you know you've got one out now. Here it is, Ju- July. You've got one in August. How how quickly are you turning these around from the time you start writing one? to where it hits the shelves. Were you working on these two simultaneously then? Oh, I... (laughs) All right. Books 8 through 12 were all written in 2020. Um, And like I said, there were delays. uh, The publisher fell apart. uh, I got a new publisher. And the publisher took took the books. They they had all been edited. Um, one One of the four had a cover. And it's like, okay, fine, we can get these out because rapid release is a recommended marketing tool as far as independent releases on Amazon go. And okay. my, my press, Tuscany Bay, is considered independent. So um, it's just a matter of, yeah, I dumped 12 books on, my public, on this new publisher. Um, four of them had not been published yet. So it was just a matter of, okay, here's the cover. Here's the formatting, and we're ready to go. <laughs> uh, sci-fi Snobs just pump them out once, one per week, the Piers Anthony of sci-fi. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're actually working on pumping out uh, something every two weeks because I also gave them a whole bunch of short stories. So it's book, short, 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 book. <laughs> now, are these shorts going to be collected into an anthology at some point and published together in a collection? I... Honestly, haven't done a word count to see how how long all these are put together. They might be, okay. but uh, I'll ask Tuscany Bay, Tuscany Bay, one, how well they're selling, two, if they like anthologies. Most of it is we release the short stories in order to drag other people into, uh, into the world. Uh, I wound up having more people get actual make purchases of the most, the first short story, uh, in fact, uh, ten or twenty more than bought the most recent book in pre-order. So it's like, okay, so this might actually work <laughs> as a marketing gimmick. So we'll see. At Tuscany Bay, I I heard, I've heard this, I've heard this name before, and I don't know why because I'm not sure who else do they publish because I've run across the name. Um, uh, well, uh, did you, did you and oh, I Rick, discuss Richard, Richard Pale and Ellie? Okay, I thought I thought yeah. there was a connection there. Okay, all right. Oh yeah, uh, Richard is currently running it by himself. Uh, his partner Jim Christina uh, died last month. Yes, last month. So he's had to take over the entire operation and uh, get back to work on that. <laughs> now it's now it is an entire one man operation. It's nothing that I know of has changed, so yeah. he's just going to become a lot busier. 
Well, and, you know, with everything that's been going on with, you know, the economy and the and the pandemic and, and the economy because of the pandemic, I, I imagine a lot of people are under a good good amount of stress with the changes that they're having to deal with business wise. But Richard, I think he got we, we'd had a chance to talk to him on the program here a while back, and I think he's got an interesting approach. The whole superversive movement. I think you and I talked about this a little bit last time you were oh, yeah. on. The, the superversive style of stories where you have a hero and the hero generally tends, you know, tends to win and there are good guys and there are bad guys and there's a clear delineation. There's, it's not everybody's got a gray area. It's not, no, you've got a good guy, you've got a bad guy. The bad guy's doing bad things and needs to be stopped. Ha, in, in that time since the last time you were on here, has there has there been any changes, any noticeable improvement, any more chatter about what kind of stories people are responding to more? I mean, we're coming out of the pandemic, and now people are actually going back to the conventions. Is there is there talk amongst the fans who are coming out and talking to you guys about what kind of stories that they're that they're gravitating towards? Well, I don't see it at conventions because, one, I'm in New York. We're not allowed to gather in places. Uh, and two, most of the places we have gathered in the past are in Manhattan, which are, you know, busy burning down right now. <laughs> um, and most of what I've seen lately has been chatter on social media. And, yeah, a lot of people have been more interested in more uplifting things um reddit if you try talking to the few thousand people who still care that george R. R. martin exists um <laughs> you know they they will defend him to the death and it was a very strange conversation i had lately but um and a lot of these conversations revolve around what's being done wrong uh, Rings of Power, for example. Uh, mm. That's a rabbit hole. We could probably fall down for a few <laughs> hours, but let's not. Right. Um, you know, people looking at... people. There are still people who are royally pissed off over how Game of Thrones, the TV show, ended. Yeah. Um, I still have no idea why they didn't see that coming, but whatever. Um, and you've got people like... there. There's a crowdfunded comic called the Ripperverse or Ripperverse. Uh Ripperverse, yes. Uh, uh, the which, the first uh, first yeah. issue, Isom number 1, which is at 2.9 million dollars in the campaign. He's only been up for a week and a half. <laughs> this is a record. This is a this is a huge thing. He's still got 64 days. Now the books are done. They're going to start shipping in August along with t-shirts and hats and whatever other uh, peripheral merch he's got. And yeah, you're right. This this kind of stuff, he's he's marketing it specifically as an anti woke type of story, yeah. and all the all the slings and arrows are coming his way because he's a black libertarian. And how dare he go against the narrative? Uh, but yeah. but this kind of thing though, there are a lot of people who are sitting there going, "This you know, we're not jealous of Ripa." We're not jealous of Eric. We're we're inspired by Eric, and I imagine there are going to be a lot more people that look at this and they go, "It can be done." I'm going to go do mine. Mm -hmm. I might not. I might oh, not do three million dollars in a week, 
but I'll get a hundred thousand, I'll get fifty thousand, I'll get whatever you know, whatever I need to push my book. And we're starting to see. I, I ran across a story yesterday. Robert Greenberger has got his third um, uh, thrilling adventure yarns anthology collection. That's that's crowdfunding on Kickstarter right now. It, it, it's not just the outliers, the conservatives, the libertarians who are who are recognizing the value of the crowdfunding model. People yeah. people are starting to say, okay, well, this is. Because it's a built-in market, you're it's yes. pre, it's pre-sales. Not to mention, um, everyone likes to talk about uh, Eric July and Ripaverse, uh, and everyone seems surprised by it. And all I can think is, guys, we had Brandon Sanderson do this like three months ago. Yeah, and you know, before that, he was the record holder. He might still be on whatever platform he was raising it on. But, uh, yeah, there's a lot of ways to circumvent the current. You can circumvent the current nonsense and you can circumvent the current systems in place. Um, what people in my circles refer to as trad pub or traditional publishing, where I can't find anybody. Okay, I can find a few people, mostly people who work in trad pub, who can say nice things about it. But um, Dean Wesley Smith, who is one of the bigger names in sci-fi fantasy that I can think of. Yeah. He's been doing it for longer than I've been alive. Um, where it, he, he's basically got whole blog posts and rants about, okay, this is why you shouldn't come anywhere near traditional publishing. This is, these are all the advantages of self-publishing. Have a nice day. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, and I think uh, uh, Christine Catherine Rush, I think, also does some stuff along those lines as far as, you know, writer's tips and whatnot. I, I don't know what she said about traditional publishing, but I, I want to say they're married. So I would imagine okay. that she's got she's got similar views. That's a guess. That's pure speculation on my part because I haven't I haven't looked lately. But uh, she's got you know business tips and whatnot. Uh, Alan in the chat says people like Declan are making a real effort to give us actual entertainment stuff we'll enjoy that we're willing to spend money on. Well, and and you know it's yeah. like I said with Eric stuff he's been he's been on YouTube for what fifteen some odd years. He's a hip hop artist. He's already got an audience. He's been growing that audience. And, you know, this is, you're, you're getting close to 3 million with 33,000 purchases. That, yeah. That's, a, that's a, a pretty good ratio, I think. I mean, even if you look at something like a DC or a Marvel, and they're only selling 10,000 copies or, or less of a, of a Batman book, and we got word this week that... The comics industry is just cratering because manga now makes up 70% of the market share in the United States. Yeah. And for so long, we've been hearing people say, oh, no, comic comic books are doing fine. Comics industry is doing great. We're going strong and all this. Except you pull that manga number out, nobody's buying comic books. And and then you have something here like what, what Eric's is doing. And yeah, some of it's they're buying T-shirts, some of it's they're buying merch, but some of them are buying the comic book. They're spending the thirty-five dollars for ninety-six pages, and I'm going to get me a book. And yeah, I, yeah, I, I think I think they hit three million today. That's my thinking because he's at two point nine seven right now. Oh yeah, he'll make it. He'll make it without a problem. So, 
you know, and he's got 64 days left in the campaign. So I, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy times. It's crazy times. All right. We're going to take a real quick break. We will continue with Declan Finn after this, talking about his St. Tommy NYPD series and maybe some other stuff. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to Sci-Fi For Me Radio. Until you unsubscribe in a sudden but inevitable betrayal. Hi everyone, Jason Hunt here, inviting you to join us every Saturday morning for news. The week's headlines in science fiction, fantasy, horror, comic books, video games, plus Comic Con updates and the weather, and the occasional interview along the way. We call it Good Morning Multiverse. We hope you join us every Saturday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern, 10 Central, right here on Sci Fi For Me TV. Foreign Bodies, Saturday at 1 p.m. Eastern, only on Sci-Fi For Me TV. Back live from the bunker, Jason Hunt here, along with my guest, Declan Fenn, author of the St. Tommy NYPD book series, but also... He runs, or at least is partially responsible for, a book review website, uh, the the Upstream Reviews site. Uh, is this are, is this all yours, or this is a cooperative venture? You and and some other people. I can't remember because oh, it's a cooperative venture because I can't read that fast and write <laughs> as many books as I do. Yeah. Um, I'll, you, did we actually established this a year and change ago. Um, I'm working with Rob Crucy. I don't know if you know him offhand. Yeah, uh, um, uh, the the um, um, Mercury Falls series of books. We've interviewed him a couple of times. Yep. And a few others. Uh, current, his current thing is Mammon, I think. But um, no, this actually started when I kind of went on a rant on, uh, on social media because... Everywhere I turn around, somebody is talking about, uh, what's, what's, uh, oh yes, uh, people to the left of Mao, uh, are, are not creatives. They don't make anything. There are no artists. And it's like, okay, this is BS. And let me tell you why. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and I went on a rampage for about six months trying to talk people into, Hi, uh, this is why you need a fiction reviewer. And uh, by the way, I'm perfect for it because I've got all these connections. Right. Uh, and all the response I got was either dead silence or eh, fiction is garbage. We don't need you. It's like, well, thanks. Um, so um, I did a few months of that and Rob said, you know, I, I noticed you were pissed off about this. Let's do a review site. Okay, fine. Sure. So uh, we recruited about a dozen reviewers. And uh, I've lost count of how many different, uh, of how many reviews we've got by now. But <laughs> it's a lot. And uh, we pump out three reviews a week. And we're going pr- fairly steady. Um, and... Now that we've made contacts with some publishers, we have the uh, joy of free books. So, oh, uh, yeah. It's like, I, I, I will never turn down a free book. 
trying to read all of them, however, is a different conversation. Oh, I can I can totally sympathize. I've got books on our pile since 2012. I haven't read yet, so it's it's and they continue to come in. I was like, hey, you want a book? Well, sure, we'll we'll put it in the queue, but I can't I can't guarantee when we're ever going to get to yeah. it. Uh, but you see, and that's and that's the other thing is you know who. Who you talk about, you know, running up in, against brick walls trying to get this thing going and 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 do that. There are some sites out there that won't review certain particular books from certain particular authors. So let me ask you the the flip of that. Um, are you restricting what kinds of authors are allowed to be reviewed by your site? Or are you reviewing just any any and all comers? Uh, we review any and all come. All right. Technically, we review any of all old covers, but the punchline is we only do positive reviews. If we hate your book, we ain't touching it. Uh, you know, there are, and there are some people who have said, oh, well, I don't like your reviews. You're all, uh, you're, you're basically a glorified blurb on the cover. It's like, and my first response, my first thought is, Yes, but we only do we only review good books. So sorry, we're never going to review yours. <laughs> but you know, I have not said that. It's one it, of those things where it's like, don't say it, don't say it. Well, that's that's kind <laughs> of a. I would think that's kind of a double edged sword because if if the reviews that you're doing are all positive, and yeah, you can you can run the risk of of people accusing you of being shills for whoever it is that you've got posted up there. Um, it's a good point. You, we're just going to tell you about the ones that are good. But on the flip side of that, if I don't, if I don't tell you that this one is bad, then you're going to pick it up on the shelf and you're not going to be for, I guess that forewarned is forearmed type of, of thought. Yeah. Why, why avoid doing the negative review? If you, if you have a book and just, I, I just couldn't finish it and here's why. Because if we wanted to do that, we could do a YouTube channel like every other person <laughs> who has negative reviews. It's like, and after a while, even some of the more, uh, well, hell, how many people will, oh, look, let's talk about uh, The Last Jedi for the 50th time because we really hate it and it gets us rage clicks. Yeah. <laughs> um, hell, even one of the more critical people I know on YouTube called The Critical Drinker. Even he's got spin-offs of, okay, here, I'm going to do a five-minute video on why I like this movie. Sure. I'm going to do a five-minute video on like this movie. And we have done something close to a negative review because through no fault of our own, we wound up with somebody mailing us a copy of a John Scalzi book where... Um, it was something kaiju-related. Oh, right. One, one, uh, kaiju, one of our, kaiju Preservation Society, I think is what it's called. Yeah. Yeah. And one of our uh, reviewers, Mike Gallagher, decided that he was going to fisk the book in like a five-part essay. Oh. <laughs> where he was just making fun of, hey, where have I seen this premise before? It's like, oh, yeah, here, 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 here. Um <laughs> Oh look, John Scalzi is having a helicopter do this, which is physically impossible. And he made a comedy routine out of it. So, is it a negative review or was it just a comedy routine? You, right. you, you can flip a coin. But the other reason to not do negative reviews is there is really no such thing as bad press. Um, there is actually 
one movie in particular called The Room. Uh, I don't even know what you want to call it. It was directed by someone that may have been on drugs. It was vaguely, vaguely incoherent. There was terrible acting. But so many people on YouTube gave it negative reviews. It is now a cult hit because everybody saw the negative <laughs> reviews, said it can't be that bad. Strike Went out effect. and got it. Now, this, like, is the one, this is the one that got Brie Larson her Oscar, right? Is that the one I'm uh, thinking of? Different one. Different, different one. one. Okay. Um, uh, I'm going to have to look up this guy's name now because it was something utterly bizarre. Um, yeah, I know vaguely that Brie Larson had done something along those lines. But this was, oh yeah, um, it was written by a guy named Tommy Wiseau in 2003. And, you know, it disappeared. You know, all these YouTube reviewers found it and tore it apart. And it became such a cult classic, he wound up being able to make more movies. And there's an entire film starring James Franco from James, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man films. And, uh, yes, that. <laughs> and, you know, they made a movie about making this movie. <laughs> like, that's what happens when you do negative reviews and give something enough uh, airtime. Yeah. So we don't want to give more airtime to crap. So when you're writing a book and you're thinking uh -huh. about reviews and where you're going to send it to reviews, are, are you, as an author... And as a reviewer, uh, are you you put on your author hat? You're going to send out this book to review. Are you limiting that activity to sites that will generally give you a positive reception, or does it matter? Does it matter that much to you what the what the reviews are saying? Oh, I, I will go out of my way to basically spam the universe. Uh, it's like if you review something, well, it's your fault that. Uh, it's your fault that you're getting more review copies from me. By the way, I've released four books. Here are all of them. <laughs> right. uh, you know, um, although right now it's mostly a matter of, okay, here, the first three books in St. Tommy are all on Kindle and they're all 99 cents. Here, the first taste is almost free. <laughs> so what besides St. Tommy, I mean, that's your that's your bread and butter series. That's the main thing that you're working on all, all the time. What besides that series have you got in the works as far as other stories? Uh, hold on. Let me let me go through the bingo card. Um, sorry, more like the shell game. Uh, I've got a series, a space opera called White Ops that I am doing via Tuscany Bay uh, that came out. The first three books came out this year. I'm editing the books four and five. Uh, I'm trying to top having, you know, someplace that is not Disney Planet getting, you know, blown up by by terrorists. Uh, I'm trying to top that part. I have a series called Honeymoon from Hell, which is a sequel to my vampire series of, of a few years ago. Um, I'm on book three of that, and I've got two more books to go. Once I'm done with White Ops, do I have yet another series? I've got a series of ideas. I've got an idea for a series that I'm going to uh, try getting traditionally published if I'm feeling masochistic, but <laughs> that's a few books from now. Uh, I've still got 
I still got a few more books to go for uh, White Ops and the Space Opera. Now, the White Ops, that's that's the book that we were talking about the last time you were on, which was actually, uh, at the time, your newest book, but also your first book. Uh, yes. We, we talked about that. I put the link in uh, in the chat over on YouTube for anybody. I think I'll, I'll link to that in the show notes as well, so people can go back and see that conversation. But um, it, it's, it's interesting how things work out, you know? It's, oh, well, I've got this one book that turns into a series that turns into a universe. Have you, have you, have you talked about movie rights yet for White Ops? Has anybody come to you and said, hey, let's do this? Nope. Nobody's mentioned anything to me. Uh, if there are behind-the-scenes people going, okay, this is cool. Let's talk to other people. For all I know, it'll take three years just to get to the phase of, let's talk to the author. Because depending, if you listen to the peop- to the writers in Hollywood, talk about Hollywood, the writers are the people who get the least amount of respect. Um, <laughs> in fact, one of the jokes, you know, the, the Polish joke about actresses is she was so dumb, she slept with the writer. <laughs> now, besides reviews, there's also awards. We've got the Dragon Awards that, oh, are, yeah. that are in the process right now. Uh, where Where are we in that? Because there's... Uh, it, where it's they just uh, they just wrapped up the uh, the voting uh, voting is just wrapped up or we're still in the voting phase. The voting for nominations just wrapped up. Okay, um, nominations wrapped on Tuesday. Uh, anybody can come in and vote, um, and they have. I've tried organizing uh, DragonCon conversations on various Facebook groups mainly because the more people who vote, the better. Sure. Um, and of course, uh, you've got a whole bunch of publishers that will do their slates. Um, granted, some of it is just a matter of, okay, we've got five books for every cat, every available category. Here's what they are. Uh, and you've got to do that with the dragons because uh, their eligibility window isn't, you know, here's the calendar year. It's July 1st of one year into june 30th of the next year oh okay so yeah so the the, avail- the eligibility window is weird are, so, they, are um, they doing that based off of the date of when they announce the awards yeah because okay. the dragon awards happen during labor day weekend and since this is all electronic it's and it's all free and open to the public uh, this you know this isn't uh this isn't the hugos uh, it's everybody can come in and vote and play, and they do. Um, last time I checked, okay, granted, the last time I checked was like 2018. They had 8,000 people voting in the Dragon Awards. So um, that's that's about four and a half times more than what the Hugo participation is at last time I looked. Yep, and um, so I target Facebook groups that have authors. Facebook groups that discuss books that have membership in excess of 10,000 people. So, um, and I don't know if the, I don't know how much of an impact we've had and how much of it has just been a matter of, yeah, these books were popular, so of course they were voted for. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, uh, Alan in the chat says, we need unique original authors and other creators. There isn't anywhere near enough original material like what Declan's writing out there, what Hollywood is doing is a waste of brain cells. I mean, you have a lot of 
reboots and remakes and sequels and prequels and that kind of thing. But yep. you, but he's got a good point. You know, it's not just you know the comics gate people, the indie comics crowd. You know, the superversive group, you and 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 Palinelli, and and you've got Larry Curry out there and Brad Torgerson, and you know the Sad Puppies crew and all of that. But yeah, to Alan's point, there's there is I think an opportunity. We see this with Daily Wire coming in and say we're going to start doing kids programming. We got the Western Year. They did just release Terror on the Prairie. They've got the documentary there that they did with uh, with Matt Walsh. There are opportunities outside of Hollywood uh, for people to compete with Hollywood, and I think that the market oh, yeah. is is ripe for that. Uh, I mean, we've talked for a number of years now about doing our own version of Starlog and and crowdfunding a print magazine uh, that would be like the old Starlog magazine. And everybody's like, yeah, that'd be really, that'd be really cool. That'd be, they, you know, we get a lot of positive feedback on it. It's like, okay, now I just got to find the time to put it all together and, and you, see you, what happens. So, yeah. You might also want to talk to uh, Kirsova or Sir. Yeah. Sir Sova. Yeah. 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 Had some okay, conversation. Cool. Be- because, um, and, th- and that's another one because we see all of the, we see all the crowdfunding stuff for the comic books. And, that's not the only category where you can actually raise money for a project. I mean, you could do short films, yeah. you could do feature films, you could do a, a you know, here's the newfangled widget, but we don't ever hear anything about that because that's not in our circle. But I think there's opportunity there for other other creators to come in and do like like Eric's doing, or you know, it, it, Jeremy's razors. You know, Jeremy Boring's coming in, and he's going to say, okay, we're going to yeah. go up against Dollar Shave Company. We're going to go up against these guys. We're just going to say a razor. There's there's an opportunity there to compete, and I think now the market is ready for other companies to come in and compete. You know, you see it now with the diversification of social media. There's, it's not just Twitter and Facebook anymore. You've got Parler and Gab and Getter and Truth Social and What's the other one? MeWe and Minds. I mean, there, there's this proliferation yeah. now of the alt socials. Whether they're going to actually stick around and survive, yeah, we've we've still got time for all of that to play out. But, um, yeah. but yeah, it's it's. I think I think we're in a maybe not necessarily a good place, but we're getting there to where the market opens up and we've got a little bit more democratization of product. Oh, definitely. Um, and there is also hope in terms of it's obvious that people in Hollyweird are actually reading books. At least somebody is, because, um, you know, you've got the Reacher series that came out earlier this year. You have the Terminal List, which came out like, what, last month? Yeah. Um, like and they're all fairly good. They're all solid, much to my surprise. And it's like, wow, there are people there who can read? Who knew? <laughs> and part of it is all right part of it is hollywood is the most risk adverse uh market ever yes that's why you've got 500 remakes but on the other hand and something that would make more sense is what they're doing with reacher uh the terminal list it's oh look these books have sold hundreds of thousands if not millions of copies Adapt them. Congratulations. You've got a ready-made audience. Well, and, and the other to... part, you know, Netflix is sitting there saying, we want we want our own franchise like Star Wars or Jurassic Park or whatnot. And, 
you know, some people are saying, well, maybe, maybe Zack Snyder's Rebel Moon is the beginning of something because that was originally his Star Wars pitch. But you're right, you've got Terminal List out there, you got Reacher. These are these are things where you have multiple stories in the book series. You've got plenty of plenty of material. Uh, somebody should should uh, should tell Kathleen Kennedy how that works. Uh, but you've got <laughs> you you've got all these books in the in in the series. Um, un, unless the series isn't finished, I mean that kind of causes a problem, I guess. Uh, for you know, like Game of Thrones, we're never getting Winds of Winter. I we're just not. Nope. Uh, I I could see Winds of Winter getting finished after Martin kicks off and and is no longer with us. Not not to well, say that I'm hoping for that. I'm not. But it seems like that's how it's going to It's going to be another Robert Jordan type of thing. And who's... But you're not going to get Brandon Sanderson to finish it. In fact, unless this guy has got copious amounts of notes for how this ends, and if he had that much detail, would he be taking so long? Right. Um, and how many... How much effort is it going to take to not go the route of the TV show because, from what I heard originally, Martin said, oh, yes, this ending is going to happen the way it does in the TV show. Martin himself just wanted two or three more seasons for it to get there. So, you know, X character doesn't do a, a heel turn in, like, the last episode mm. or two. <laughs> stuff like that. Um so you can wrap up one plot line one season, one plot line the next, instead of we're going to wrap up everything now because we've got a Star Wars trilogy that isn't actually going to happen because they botched the ending so badly. Right. But uh, that's a different conversation. Now, do so, you have do you have a book that's been simmering out there forever that you just haven't been able to crack yet? Um, for me to yeah, for you to write. No, oh no, uh, it's mostly been a matter of. I've been too busy with everything else. Uh, I've actually finished St. Thomas. Uh, book 12, uh, Blue Saint, is going to be the last one. There might be a spin-off novel uh, that I've got percolating. But aside from that, you know, the story is done. And, you know, depending on how, how, how much attention people have been paying, and I've been fairly obvious about it, they know exactly how the series is going to end. <laughs> but, um, you know, the... That series is wrapped up, and once I knew I was going to be doing another six books, because I was going to wrap, originally wrap it up with book six with an extended epilogue, and then it's like, no, this is selling pretty well, and I've still got ideas because the headlines are still full of stupid, so I can still use that. Yeah. So it became six more books. But uh, no, that's wrapped up, and yeah, people could obviously swing by and say yeah we're going to do a series out of St. Tommy and do it on streaming which I wouldn't say no but uh, good god I can't imagine what it's going to look like after September when Rings of Power drop <laughs> like yes we spent uh, what was it 60 million dollars an episode and from what I've seen in the stills oh my god in heaven what were they spending it on yeah because some uh, some of this stuff looks like Hallmark special level special effects. It's like, what what what? Where'd the money go? 
you know, was it like CW and it's money laundering? Well, and because, I saw I saw a photograph. Somebody somebody supposedly in chainmail, but the chainmail is is apparently printed on the fabric. It's not actually chainmail. Yeah. That's not how chainmail works. Uh, you don't wrinkle chainmail. What? Where? I don't know. Yeah, it's it's going to be uh, interesting, I guess. And of course, the reaction videos on YouTube will be uh, fast and furious. I'm sure. So. Oh yeah. <laughs> and maybe not and, in a good way. And the question is going to be: How much will those reviews prompt people to say? Oh, it can't be that bad. Yes, <laughs> right, it can. Right. Stop watching. You know, again, uh, why we don't do negative reviews. Yeah. <laughs> All right, sir. Well, uh, speaking of the reviews, let me uh, let me pull this up here right uh, quick. One more time. The, uh, the review site, these are both on Substack, Upstream Reviews and uh, uh, DeclanFin.substack. We've got links to those in uh, the notes. Uh, Declan's also on Twitter, as is the review site. Uh, so go check him out over there if you're not already. And uh, when the next book comes out, we'll, we'll sit and talk again. And who knows? Maybe we'll maybe we'll talk about that magazine a little bit and, and see what happens there. So look forward to it. All right, Declan Finn, thanks very much for being here, sir. And thanks all of you in the chat and those of you who have been with us. If you uh, are seeing this in replay. You can still leave a comment. We've got an email address live from the bunker at sci fi for me.com. Of course, on our end of the socials, we're on lots of different ones. And uh, if you'd like to support us financially, there's a PayPal tip jar there link if you want to do that. But, uh, you know, certainly no obligation to do so. We're just glad you're here and we're glad you keep coming back. And oddly enough, I, for the last few days we have been holding steady at 2100 subscribers on youtube it hasn't bounced which has me suspicious so uh anyway we'll we'll keep an eye on that but anyway yes there's uh, there's that check out all the rest of the videos that we've got here uh we've got good morning multiverse on saturday 11 a.m eastern 10 central with all of the week's headlines so join us for that in the meantime remember there are four lights. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi For Me Radio. Copyright 2022 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media.